You're listening to It's Not Normal, It's Toxic, hosted by Dr. Heidi. Dr. Heidi has been exactly where you are right now. She's walked through the fire of toxic relationships and has now dedicated her life to help others do the same. Living in a toxic environment can cause the damaging behaviors of others to become normal, leaving you feeling hopeless and desperate. Learning how to recognize the toxic traits and understand why they occur is the key to taking your power back. Now is the time for you to gain your self-worth because you're worth it. Discover who you really are because you're awesome. And realize it's not normal. It's toxic. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. You're listening to It's Not Normal, It's Toxic. Rid your life of toxic people. This is Dr. Heidi. Uh, today, I have a guest. I am super excited. I have to, I have to admit. I'm winging this podcast because I have had some interaction with her, but not a ton, but I am very curious about her and I'm very curious about her story. So I'm hearing it for the first time and you're hearing it for the first time. Um, Chelsea Lee Trescott is a trained certified solution focused life coach. She helps her clients turn their sob stories into silver linings. She also hosts the world renowned podcast, Thank You Heartbreak, which I know some of my listeners also listen to. Um, as a breakup coach, uh, she explores the upside of heartbreak and how shedding the light on a breakup can be a great opportunity to become human beings who are stronger in love, life, and character. So Chelsea, welcome. Thank you. You're making me think that we're like the perfect wing women. You know, we just <laughs> wing it in life. Yeah. I love that. I think it's funny that, that as much as I wing it, but people, when you picture somebody that's doing a podcast or doing videos or whatever, we picture them like all put together with lights and like all this stuff. And I always think people would laugh if they literally saw me, you know, sitting here talking into my <laughs> iPad, basically, you know, right? With, with the lab is laying on the floor and he's snoring over here. And um, but but welcome to the podcast. I had the opportunity to be on your podcast a couple of weeks ago, and that's that's actually how we met. Um, and again, I'm very curious because I'm, I'm for one curious in the work that you do, because we talked about me and my work on your, on your show. So I'm assuming that with the work that you're doing somewhere in your past, there has been heartbreak that, that led you into this passion. So can you tell us about that? I, I, I want to hear whatever it is that you want to tell us about your story and what got you into what you're doing now. Absolutely. I think there's a part of my story that no one ever expects. You know, everyone thinks it starts off with this romantic heartbreak. And sure, a four-year relationship, which I'll tell you about, and the heartbreak within that did, you know, make me pivot into a career as a breakup coach and becoming someone that could be a breakup coach. But the heartbreak that has really motivated me in my life and which motivated the podcast really started with my own identity and this internal conflict of not arriving yet in life. And when I was young, when I was 10 years old, I was so fearless and it felt like it was in a way that was 
unique to me or that other kids around me didn't have. You know, I have a twin sister, fraternal. So I think even a sense, like it was always kind of shown to me that I was different. I shaved my head and I mean, who does that <laughs> at 10 years old? And I was, and I felt like I was rewarded for it. I think that was a big thing. I think that um, this way of wanting to claim my own identity, I was instantly rewarded for it. I was scouted by a modeling agency. My first job was with Bruce Weber and Ralph Lauren. So it felt like I was like reaching this new height right out of the gate, right out of the gate. Like it was something that just came so natural for me. And it's wild, but I remember even that young thinking that I was different from other people because I wasn't self-conscious. Well, I mean, and to think like I must have been self-conscious if I was even having that thought, right? But long story short, um, I, my skin ended up getting bad and I was doing all these different things before Accutane to work on my skin. And one thing was birth control. This was, you know, years after me being 10 years old um, and modeling. And I gained all this weight in, in a month. 15 pounds and the things that doctors said to me was just awful I, I there was no compassion there was no awareness of just like what in retrospect it felt like almost traumatizing to see your body shift like that to lose you know uh the modeling career to have people talk to me differently and so instantly it seemed like i i i was someone that I saw both sides. I saw when you kind of had it going for you and how that treatment, that star treatment in a way that I think a lot of us are going for through social media and wanting to be these influencers, thinking about what would it feel like to be treated like a star in a sense. Mm -hmm. And then it was like a fall from grace. And I heard how people treated me when I was, I think just like everyone else, to be honest. Um, and then, you know, worse than that, like the people made comments that, that I had rolls in my stomach and it was just, or I should dress differently and put on, you know, more clothes. So then on top of that, because of the short hair, another heartbreak during this time, and it's something that I haven't really spoken about, is that my aunt, who's a therapist, so you kind of think of them as being someone that knows it all, or sees the truth of you. She gathered my whole family together and said that I had been sexually abused and was gay. And this was a response to the short hair. And I have to tell you, I never felt that as a young kid. I never did. I was all, I always had my eyes on the guys, you know, it was always like, I loved the fact that I kind of looked like a guy, but could get the guys. But it was a weird thing to have placed inside of me, this suspicion, like, did something happen to me? Do I not know something about myself? And I, and I want this. And so, and people would call me names. I mean, I was, people like in the hallway they'd be like dyke i mean i was still i don't want to make it seem like i was just bullied all my life because i wasn't so i don't really have that story but there were comments like that so i carried around inside like always feeling like i wasn't in the right body in the sense that i wasn't like thin like i used to be and i was conscious of it all the time all the time every other minute it got so bad every other minute I would think about my weight and it would rob me of being in the present with other people. 
And that was so heartbreaking, how I also felt like people never really knew my struggle because they saw someone that was so strong and confident and looked like they had a great body and all these things, gets attention, all these things, you know, like, but no one knew like this internal struggle. And I had a diary online and I would just share all about that. And then I went to college and my first year in college was so heartbreaking. I was depressed and I had never, ever had that form of darkness of like having no friends, like not socializing, becoming so self-conscious all the time, thinking I was never going to live up to other people's expectations. I knew that people read my journal. I had a popular blog at the time and I felt like I couldn't get together with people because I wasn't gonna live up to their expectations. So I started isolating for the first time. And during that time, I remember thinking to myself, oh my God, I usually rely on my experiences. That's what I celebrate in life, is the insight that I get from other people, the connection. And I am starved of that. I had just broken up with a boyfriend. I had a long distance boyfriend my first year of college. And without the boyfriend and without the friendships, I felt like I wasn't learning anything. And I remember thinking to myself, oh my God, summer is coming. Your first year back from college, you gotta show something for yourself. And I thought, you know what I'm gonna do? For the first time in my life, now that I'm totally alone, I'm going to overcome this body dysmorphia, this feeling about it. I will never forget this. And I woke up one morning and I said, I'm not going to buy a, another diet pill ever again. I saw my mom taking those when I was growing up and I think I got it from that. She would throw bottles of them out and I would go into the trash looking for them, my God. And I remember saying, I, I'm not going to have another diet pill. That was a good day. That was a good start. The next day I woke up and I stopped eating from that day forward. And I would make the most nauseating food. I mean, nauseating, like collard greens with every type of mustard. To this day, I can't eat mustard. It was just revolting, revolting. Actually, I would get grapefruit delivered and I would hoard them. And it's because they would make your, you know, burn fat or something. Um, all the orange, my, from all the beta carotene, my whole body turned orange, my hands, my ears. And I didn't think when I started that out, I swear to you, I wanted to be 10 pounds lighter, 10 pounds. I wanted to be 10 again. I wanted, which is also nuts. I mean, you can't have a 10 year old body when you're about to be in your 20s, I was 18. But that was also nuts and heartbreaking. But I thought it was just gonna be 10 pounds and be, and there was a euphoria in the beginning to it, the control, I suppose. Mm -hmm. That's what I was just gonna say. Yeah. You know. And it happened so fast to think I had been working out my entire life and never could lose that, that weight. And suddenly it went from 10 pounds to I look up one day and I'm 82 pounds. And it was a frightening time in my life. The comments, the things on the street, I moved to New York after that. And the things that people said to me on the street, it was terrifying. The thoughts, the fear that I had looking at myself. Uh, a best friend of mine ended up being my boyfriend at the time, becoming my boyfriend, which was heartbreaking too, because he had always seen me as a strong person. And here he sees a skeletal person. Mm -hmm. And 
I remember one time him seeing me in the shower and I was just so scared for him to see me like that. He broke down in tears once and said I was killing myself, why? But I ended up thinking that it's crazy. It took me so long to realize this. But I started thinking that, oh my God, the issue was that I was alone. I didn't have friends. I was in a new city and I didn't have a boyfriend. If I had had a boyfriend and connection, I never, ever would have turned on myself like that. I never would have done that. And so I thought, oh my God, every time I moved to a new city, I got to have a boyfriend. And well, I didn't know anyone in these cities and I kept on being seeing that because I was moving a lot for schools. So I'd always somehow find a long distance boyfriend thinking that they would give me a you know, safety net while I went out into the world wherever I was living and I would meet people and I never did. I would just rely on them. Again, isolating myself, becoming, I went from such a social person, such a social person, alive in this world, even though I was self-conscious all the time, to being someone that was, I mean, shockingly self-paralyzing and just in my, my room. And the heartbreaks that happened was, you know, I think it was when I was in grad school and it kind of all came full circle. My first year of college, I had gotten that eating disorder. I had an eating disorder. I, for grad school, I ended up writing about that eating disorder and overcoming it. And I had a, I never had gone to therapy. I was against pills and because of my dad and all that, I wish I'd helped myself sooner and went to a psychiatrist to get help. I was really anxious. I, the, the relationship I was in was breaking my heart and I couldn't let it go. I was terrified of being alone, that I would turn on myself again. And I was already turning on myself. And I went in and he put me on a scale uh, and he said, I can't help you. You're anorexic. I couldn't believe it. The first time I'd shown up to help myself, I had never done that. I had never done that. And he wouldn't believe me. And I said, no, I, I swear I have had an eating dis disorder before. And he's like, you need to go to a nutritionist and maybe go into like rehab for your eating disorder. It's not that you need to be put on an antidepressant. So I left there just thinking, I remember my boyfriend wouldn't talk to me after that. I just felt so alone. And I, my twin sister ended up going into rehab maybe a month later and I ended up graduating from the grad program and moving back to Miami and was terrified to go back to the house um, with being as thin as I was again and being around my dad and it was really full circle and frightening for me. And my sister being in rehab allowed me to explore this honesty of how I was actually feeling. It's like that was the biggest fear that any of us would show that we were actually unhappy and that we weren't perfect and, and striving. And so that was the beginning of, you know, me facing the amount of heartbreak that I've been in, me turning into a different person. You know, I broke up with my boyfriend af not long after that and um, was on this quest to, to be single. And it's, you know, there's been other relationships that have happened since me being a breakup coach. But it was really me facing the fear um, that, I, that I had had for so long of being alone and thinking that I needed love in my life in order to dream big. 
in order to not turn on myself. Yeah. Don't, don't you think, um, it's so strange how that switch happens because when you talk about, you know, before you were 10 and like you were fearless and you were just like, yeah, whatever. And you were probably kind of like, well, if people don't like me, that's fine because I'm doing, I'm doing what I want to do. And I'm, I'm super, I'm super happy to being me. Don't you think it's, it's devastating how we don't even realize that there's something wrong with us until people start telling mm. us that there's stuff that's wrong with us because it, it takes that whole, mm. um, I don't know if we want to call it self-confidence away, but it, it takes, it takes that unguardedness away and immediately, mm. you know, we throw a guard up and, and, and I mean, I remember very similar things happening to me, very, very similar stemming from the same type of, of things. Like, you yes. know, you're just going along and then somebody tells you something that's wrong with you and you're like, and pretty soon we feel like everything is wrong with us. Right. I mean, I think it takes away our freedom. I think that I, you become less free because suddenly you're not living and showing up. You're thinking about yourself. And I think that's what really gets us to us in life. I think that's what really holds us back or the thoughts of ourselves. And unfortunately, there are thoughts like you're saying that other people put onto us. I mean, the whole gay thing, that wasn't a thought I had. And yet it has plagued me. And I remember, it's like, what? That was someone else. They came up with that. And I took it on. I mean, it's just, it's so harmful when you think about that. It's like, you have to be, sh and we know from having a podcast, I mean, me having to listen to myself back, it's like, I have to be so careful of my words. We have to be so careful of when we get close to people, what we say to them. Mm -hmm. And because God, God forbid they internalize it. For sure. So, so then through this, how, like, did you do different work before you started the breakup coach thing? I was always chasing degrees, to be honest. I mean, you know, this, I, I think this is part of a story of maybe some guilt, but I was in a privileged position. I'll be honest that I hadn't had to get a traditional job. I mean, I'd had these internships while I was in college and was in the magazine world and was a writer and, um, then after my grad program in nonfiction writing, where I was working at magazines, I moved back to New York and I got into a clinical psychology program. I was going to do my doctorate in clinical psychology. So I was pursuing that. I was getting trained as a coach. Um, I wasn't working and I dropped out after a year. I started writing, uh, personal essays for different publications. I had an advice column with the Huffington Post that took off and I started getting clients from that and I became a breakup coach from there. Yeah. So, so define breakup. Are we talking about like relationship breakup? Yeah, that's what I've been focusing on uh, since I started this. You know, there was no such thing uh, as a breakup coach when I started and I thought it was, you know, the most pivotal part of someone's life and how we, again, the narratives we tell ourselves, how much that shapes everything going forward. I think that um, as I as I grow and I think you know take on new training as well, something that I'm focused on or inspired by is the different things that we can break up with, different parts of ourselves, different narratives that we had, limitations, uh, breaking up with parts of you know a career, a face. So I think eventually it's going to go on and, and take on a larger. Okay, good. That's that's actually what I that's actually what I was hoping you would say. And again, to the listeners, mm -hmm. I mean. 
yeah, I've talked to her, but I, I don't know any more than you do. So that's why I'm asking these questions. Um, and of course, you know, that I'm the listeners that, that are, are hearing us now, uh, are, are in some type of toxic relationship and it might be intimate. It might be a friendship. It might be a coworker situation or a family type situation. But when, when you talk about how it changed you, when people started, you know, telling you things about you that, that maybe they were true, maybe they weren't true, but, but you internalized it. The same thing happens, you know, in the toxic relationship. And I think a lot of the reason Mm -hmm. that happens is because we are always striving for acceptance. We are always striving for them just to approve of us. Mm -hmm. So we, we, I found myself doing exactly what you were doing. And, you know, I was changing everything that the toxic person in my life said, if you will just do this, then our relationship will be better. Or if you Mm -hmm. will just do that, then our relationship will be better. And I went, I went through everything from my weight to the way I dressed, to the color of my hair, to, you know, how I interacted, to which friends I hung out with. And, and in the end, you know, of course the toxic person is never going to approve of you because they always want your attention focused on, on trying to be better and then never allowing you to have that. But in doing so, it took the person that I knew as confident and social and happy and a go-getter and, you know, outgoing to somebody who I never looked up, I never laughed, I mm-hmm. hardly spoke unless I was speaking to one of my patients. And, and when I would look at myself mm-hmm. in the mirror and I had light hair, mm-hmm. I just remember thinking, I don't, I don't even know who you are and I don't have the first clue how to go find her back. Mm-hmm. So, so, you know, when you start working with people who are struggling with breakup because of this internalization of the things that maybe happened in the relationship or happened in some of these other breakups that you talk about, where do you have people start? Because it's easy for people to go, you just need to love yourself more. Yeah, but we need steps to do that. So, you know, what, what do you suggest when people are in this spot? Where's a good place to start when they're looking at this mountain of self-work they have to do and it's, it's, it's too big for them to even want to start it? It's so daunting. It's so daunting. To this day, I think, any new client, I think it's daunting. Because I think when people come to me, they can't even pinpoint that thing. Mm-hmm. You know, I think I've been trying to cope for a long time with the things I've gone through. So through writing, at least, I really use that as a way of trying to identify or, or get myself to understand, where did this start? What is, like, the origin story? And so I think that I've used uh, the narrative part or my focus on narrative. I've really woven that into my coaching again because people also found me through my advice column so the most powerful work that i do with people is a form of e-coaching as well where they i send them questions specific to what they're going on to help them dig deeper i think that when people don't know who they are and and that happens all the time men and women because i work with mainly men this one guy came to me and he had been with a very toxic partner. I mean, he did not use that word. I don't know if I thought that. I I mean, I thought that something was severely wrong, but um, he came to me with that. And so it's not just women. I mean, men as well, no idea who he was. He was just reading this letter that she sent him about all the things that she said he was. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, sometimes it's about evaluating and really providing evidence for yourself on how that isn't true about you, mm-hmm. you know? And then, you know, as, as 
I think I dig deeper with people and kind of get to the layers of, you know, what their questions are. It's about where did this start? Where can we go back maybe to like the first heartbreak, mm -hmm. the first thing that we tell ourselves about why this is happening to us? You know, I think that a lot of us in breakups, like we, we internalize it to the point where we think that, you know, it's a lot of unworthiness. Mm -hmm. That's exactly what I, what I think it stems from. And then, then breaking that cycle. And again, it's so, it's so strange how certain people can say things and you can blow it off. And then there's other people that can say things and we immediately like take it right to heart. And we just assume that, that what they're saying is true. It's so much easier for us to hang on to the words of other people than it is for us to look at them and go, yeah, I don't, I don't think that. Yeah. I mean, but I think it's like this breakthrough moment. And I think that's what can become exciting about heartbreak. I think that when we're in it, we really forget this part of like what it would mean to rise above the words or the definitions other people place on us. Even let's say that we felt like they were right about something and how they criticized us. You know, maybe there's something that someone has said to us that resonates as the truth, mm -hmm. you know, and they're calling it out. It's not that they're lying, but they're being harsh. They're being unforgiving about it. Mm -hmm. So it's asking ourselves, I see that they are right and they are throwing it in my face. I either learn to accept that part and show love for that part, learn to have a compassionate relationship with that side of myself, or I fight back against it and say, okay, this is the day where I heard it so loudly, it crushed me. And from this point on, I said, I'm gonna do what I can to become someone else, like to become different than that, to finally overcome that element of ourselves. And that's how I think you end up being thankful for the heartbreak, seeing people as catalysts. As you say, from that day forward, I became someone different someone else, you know? Yeah. So and, and I, I totally agree with that because I remember when I was in my toxic situation, I kept thinking, I just, I just want the girl back from who I was before. Yeah. Well, and it, me it's, too. but, it, but it was funny because the person I am now is, is nothing like the person I was when I was in that relationship, but she's nothing like the person that entered that relationship either. Because, yeah. because it's, yes. you know, yes. it's things that you go through that builds yes. who you are. So I would never be this if I wouldn't have gone through that. And right. you would never I mean, be, you know. Yeah, I mean, I, this is like another thing that people you know, come to me with. It is, even in relationships we do this, is that we wanna loop back to the beginning. We wanna go back to the early stage of ourselves thinking that's when we weren't, you know, blemished by the world or by, you know, we just got to get ourselves back. We got to get ourselves back. This is a defining part of my story. I want to be 10 again. Mm -hmm. I mean, and look at what happened. I mean, by trying to get back, you're kind of ruining yourself. You're not honoring what happened, that it was meant to change your direction, mm -hmm. that you were meant to be more than just, you know, a model, more than just the, you know, the wife of, the husband of, you know, you're, we don't think of that enough. Yeah. It's, and it's, it's, it's easy for, for us that have gone through it. And, and obviously mm -hmm. we're, we continue to go through things. It's not like, Oh, we got through that. And now we're done going through things. We continue to go through things, but it's, it's hard for us to go, you know, someday you'll know, you'll be able to look back and you will understand why you went through that. 
because you know, yes, you I know, mean, cause it, you can look that, you can look at that too, but to, to tell somebody who's just going through that, you can't just be like, oh, you'll understand someday because the self-discovery is, was super exciting to me. Yeah. But, but if you just go, oh, we just got to figure out who you are and try to get them excited about it at that point, you know, that doesn't no, work. No, because I think they need, I think that in order to go on that, that discovery and for things to be, you know, to go on this adventure with yourself, when you're in the grip of heartbreak, you don't have energy for that. And I think that how we get energy is through a process of forgiving ourselves. Yes, for sure. Taking accountability and having acceptance, enough acceptance of what has happened to open ourselves to the possibility mm -hmm. of what's to come. I think it's in the ability to accept and come into meaning that then we get charged up by the meaning. The meaning gives us enough adrenaline to go out and to discover ourselves again. And, and I remember too, when I kind of, when people go, well, how did you do it? If, if you had to sit down and tell somebody how you did it, you almost, you almost can't because it's, it's kind of a slow pro process and yes. you're pushing yourself all the way through it. But, but when you, when you think about, you know, what made me, what made me push myself to do this? There, there just comes a time when, when you just, you just push, you know, mm -hmm. and I remember how negative I was coming out of that also. You know, if somebody would have told me that there was a man out there, um, like the one I'm married to now, I would have never believed him. You know, I had kind of fallen into this, oh, I guess this is the cards I've been dealt type of, mm. you know, type yeah, of thing. Yeah, not but, the greatest energy to bring right. into dating, right? But, but then when, when I started, you know, kind of trying new things and putting myself out there and the self-discovery process started, it was so much fun. It's almost like, well, then, then you can't stop it. And all of a sudden you're not scared to make decisions and you're not scared to take risks and you're not scared to do this. And, and if I look at, at me when I left that relationship and me now, it is so different, but it, it was a, it was a slow process, but once it got started, it was super exciting. Right, right, right. Oh my God. I mean, I just love that. I love that. I mean, the idea that like, wow, this relationship that I was in, I'm not the same person. I wouldn't choose that again. That is so liberating. It's so liberating actually to look, to still appreciate the people we're with, but to look back and be like, no, nah, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't swipe on them now. Right. I wouldn't swipe on them now. You know what I'm saying? Like you've evolved. I think that's what you're recognizing within yeah. yourself. You're saying I evolved and yeah. And I think too, you know, a lot of us are scared of change. So yeah. we don't dare do stuff because we're scared of change. And now I really feel like if something's not changing, I'm not growing. Like right. now I'm like all about, about changing. Okay. We got to do, right. do something different. Right. So, so I do have a, a, another question for you because when we recorded the podcast, uh, obviously I was doing most of the talking because that's what Dr. Heidi does is she like talks and talks, but it wasn't until you took the podcast and you edited it and then you let me know that it was up that you said that you really uh, found some valuable stuff in what we were talking about. But I would have never known that when we were doing when we were when we were doing the recording. So can can you tell us what what that was and like what you're going through and what the eye opener was on on whatever it was that I said during that podcast? 
Oh my God, there's so many things you said. And it's really, you know, it's such a privilege to not only speak with someone like you, because I, because that was one thing, and I really want people to think about this. Like, in the moment, you know, I didn't, you were put on my path, right? And I took the chance, I'm like, yeah, I wanna talk to her next. I was very resistant to the idea of toxic. Because I hear people use it all the time, so I was like, oh, you know, resistant, resist, like resisting talking to you. And you come on and I just, I felt connected in the moment. I felt like I was taking in everything that you were saying, but then editing it back, I was like, oh my God, there's so many missed opportunities even to talk and ask you questions. Because I remember I was really going through this heartbreak. I was gonna see this guy again that had ghosted me. He had reached out, I was gonna see him soon. And so it was hard. I almost felt like, you know, maybe I didn't wanna be honest because I didn't know what was gonna happen in the relationship. And being that I have a podcast, I know that I'm gonna have to listen to it back. I know that other people are gonna listen to it. So here I had, well, I'll just talk about the editing first. You know, I had ended up seeing him and the things that you told me really uh, stuck with me, really stuck with me. And it kind of fired me up. Um, you know, you, one thing that you said was about how toxic people, like about your, your haircut and your style, like how you look, that if they have a bad reaction to it, you'll never do it again. And as I was dating this person, I had gotten the opportunity to model for something and cut my hair. And I'd always had short hair in my life, but I've become insecure in ways about myself. And I kind of felt like longer hair was growing up kind of helped me hide behind, hide. Mm -hmm. and but they wanted to cut it off. And I wanted the money. I thought, wow, look at this experience. I've got to do this. I have to say yes to these things and not be fearful, not be because of the self-criticism, say, say no. And so I got this haircut and I was terrified, terrified of what he was going to think because when he would hear that I had short hair before, the look that he would give me, it was kind of like, ugh, like, like, ugh, I would, like, he would never date a girl with short hair. And it was hurtful because my whole life I've had short hair. So I was terrified when he came to visit me what he was going to think. And I could not believe it when you brought this up on my podcast. It was, it was so intuitive in a way. I was like, talk about a message that was dropped before me and I had to stare at and really reconsider after editing it so many times is I was terrified. He comes to the door, I open it up and he didn't really say anything. And then he's like, oh no, I mean, it's cute. And something came out of me where I was like, I couldn't help myself. I, I said, well, which do you like better? And he goes, well, you know me. He's like, I prefer you with the long hair. And, and to be honest, he would love me to be long and blonde. And I was like, wow. I, I said, I said, wow, I've never dated anyone like you. And I don't think that I'd like to. Because I'd never, for as short of hair, I had never gotten that from the men I was with or no one. Even, I mean, some guys would like reminisce and like the looks and talk. They never, they always celebrated me. And uh, he had had his, his ex-wife, I was internalizing this, she spoke a different language, she had long blonde hair, it was about the image. So I was like, oh my God, it's revealing itself again. Mm -hmm. So 
Um, and that was like a defining mo- That was the last night I saw him was after that comment and what ended up coming out from that. You know, it really um, opened the, the floodgates. Um, so listening to that episode, uh, over editing it, getting really, really close to the things that you're saying, um, and then having him reach out and want to see me, when I showed up to see him, I, I always felt like being with him, you know, and why it did feel toxic, even though he didn't say things like, I know that you've been through, and so in a way it was like, this isn't toxic, but I realized right. what was so toxic was that I was withholding so much. I did not have a voice. He was always talking about himself. He never asked me a single question about myself. I had a lot of girlfriends at the time that were like, Chelsea, do this different. Stop and don't be the initiator. Hold back, play it cool, be casual. And so I did. And became a different person. I'm someone that cares. I'm someone that's verbal. I'm someone that takes risks. I'm not someone that goes along with someone else's plan Mm -hmm. ever. Like I got out of, I left my last boyfriend who I loved because I wanted to lead my own life. And here I am with another guy that I really in my mind was like gonna marry. And I can't take the leadership role at all or there's consequences. And so when I showed up to see him, he kept his friend there, his friend who he was staying with, was there the entire night and I'm just entertaining them. And you know, this bright light and this humor, this entertainer, that is what he knew me as. Also because I was withholding, it's my own mm-hmm. fault as well. But he saw me as an actress, 100, he, I was an actress in his mind. And you know, a pro at talking to men, a pro breakup coach, you know, a badass woman, all these things. But there was, he never tried to get close to my sensitivity. He never asked me anything about me. So as he's leaving and the night is now over, I realize I just showed up and he did not say one thing about how he bounced after I was in tears with him the last night we were together. He didn't say, and you just overcame, like, I, oh my God, I just can't believe it. I swear to God, because of you, I couldn't act. I couldn't just be cool about it. <laughs> I couldn't just be cool about it. I said to him, I said, are you really not going to say anything? And he goes, no. I've never had anyone say no, like, and shut me down. And I had already been shut down. Like, I hadn't been talking in the relationship because I let him I'd just be cool about anything. And I, I said, I, he goes, stop. I go, he was my friend's here. And I'm like, oh my God, his friend's just sitting there on his phone. I go, that's why his friend is here. I said, I, I couldn't believe this. And I said, um, no. I said, you know what's crazy? Is walking away after we're in a relationship and I'm very emotional and you tell me that you're going to think about everything and let me know and you never do and here you're back again and you don't make any mention of it and we're supposed to go on as if nothing ever happened. I said, that's crazy. And I blacked out, but I, it's like everything and this is what happens when you're not allowed to speak and you say, okay, now I'm going to speak. It all rises up from within you. And you know, I was a ball of energy. I was this ball of energy because I was like, 
this has been so toxic for me. Like he wanted it on his terms once again. The whole, and I told him, I said, this dynamic, this has been the most disempowering dynamic that I've ever been in. And I, it was really something that disturbed me. It was, felt so heartbreaking, this, this thing I was in. And I think it was because, I, I didn't understand why, because it was a shorter relationship. And I realized, I think it was because it was toxic for me. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, and I always tell people too, it, it's kind of a slow drip. You know, we're looking for the relationship and it's such a slow drip that we don't realizing we don't realize going going through it that we are changing who we are to yeah. become what they need and the the minute you're changing who you are to fit better in a relationship you're settling yes yes i know that's what i realized I, that is that, that was some, those were some of the big takeaways i'm like oh this is what settling looks like you know, why, if I have been for, you know, years talking to be, uh, people about heartbreak, finding ways, you know, not being in a relationship, being loving to the people I meet on the street, having genuine interactions with strangers, vocalizing things, that's my whole life, that's my career. Why would I choose not to do that with someone? You know, like, why would I... And it's, that is a form of settling. And you know what I was settling for? And it just, I, it's so messed up. Is that because he always spoke about money. It was the idea that it was security for me. And that because he saw me as a star and I want that, I that was the 10 year old me. I thought that to be with him, I would become that again. I would have to become that again, or he wouldn't be with me. And I'm like, I need that. I need someone that lights a fire under my ass. Mm -hmm. So I finally change. And that is so harsh. That's so harsh that I'd be choosing that. Someone that doesn't even celebrate me enough for where I currently am. And so well, I and, realized. And what you were doing was you were lighting yourself on fire to keep him warm. Is what you I, I know and that's what you said during the episode and I was like oh my god you said it you said something I'm like it was like one of my favorite lines it's really stuck but, with me but you know it's something that you can take with you because now if I'm not being myself in a relationship it may not be the relationship for me so so again just going back it was it's a everything my mother used to say everything happens just like it's supposed to which would never help me in the moment but but it it is you you took something from that and and you you will probably never allow that to happen. Taken, I mean, I've taken a huge amount from it, a huge yeah. amount. I mean, I also saw where like it originated. Like, what is this whole thing about? Here's a guy that's like my father. My father was just in town, and I real it made me so relieved that this relationship had ended. And I also want to say that, you know, sometimes it's not that we change ourselves and we're not being ourselves. Some people might be listening, they're like, no, that was me, that was genuine. And for me, being an entertainer and being the light and, and being interested and curious about him and, and a lot of the things, it was very genuine, that is who I am. But what can be toxic is when you don't have allowance to be all of you. There is another side of me that I think is the better side and it's deeper and it's sensitive and it's softer and it's, you know, it's emotional and touched by the world. And if you in a relationship can't have all of you be known, I think that's when we're depriving ourselves of something and that's when it's toxic. Yep. Yep. And, and like we had talked about that, you know, toxic, toxic's not a diagnosis and toxic is different from person to person. It's, mm -hmm. it's 
you're the only one that gets to decide that. And I love, I, I could not wait to hear this story because I had no idea, you know, what was going on with you. So, yes. Yeah, so I love that. And I, I, I love that the day we did that, you were, I was going to say you were right in the right spot, but actually what it is, is I showed up at the right time and, and things always work that way too. Yeah. It's unbelievable. And I have to say that like you said on the episode that the re rebuild is harder than the leaving. And I will say that what came after our conversation and me seeing him like that and being that way was extreme. I've never experienced the amount of like confrontation of who I am, how I chose something toxic, how I am toxic with myself. Where does this all, you know, all these questions. It was severe. It was severe the amount of like emotions I cycled through in the darkness. And yet I have to say the beauty of all of this is that I finally am truly confronting a, a deeper layer of myself. Mm -hmm. And that is what is rewarding. Yeah. And if you, you know, if you think about it, we all think this, but the person that you want to spend the rest of your life with is the person that you are 100% yourself with. You know, but we, all, we but we all want to be in relationships. So we all do this accommodating and, you know, shifting and changing our value system a little bit. And so, you know, I, I am very much that way too. And I'm very much that way with friendships. And, and now if people don't like me, that's fine. And if I never see them again, so what? And, but it has taken me forever to get there because I have a personality like you. It's big. I, mm -hmm. I'm funny. Mm -hmm. I'm outgoing. I'm a teacher, I'm a, you know, mm -hmm. leader, whatever, whatever. But it's, it's so strange how certain people can swoop in and just pick you apart piece by piece without you realizing it. So I love it. So it was perfect timing. Perfect timing. That's what I'm saying. I feel like the podcast really is like guardian angels that are sent to me. It's impossible not to take mm -hmm. the things my guests say seriously. Um, I think that's also why I started the podcast. You know, I always look to my boyfriends to be the person I found, you know, guidance or in my insight, one person. And instead, when I got out of my last relationship, I started the podcast as a way of talking to more people and not just relying on one man. Mm -hmm. And it was a way of, um, of looking for guidance in the midst of my heartbreak. And it's amazing to see that it's still happening today. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love it. And I've already thought of things that I need to implement just listening to you talk today. So now if any of the listeners want to find you or know more about your work, where do they where do they get a hold of you at? My website is breakupward, B-R-E-A-K-U-P-W-A-R-D.com. Um, I think that like I love emails. And, you know, if you want to email me, Chelsea at breakupward.com. Thankyouheartbreak.com is for the podcast. And, you know, it's about heartbreak of all kinds. So on my podcast, it's not just romantic heartbreak. It's addiction, um, you know, depression, someone else, uh, losing someone else in your life. So give it a listen. And yeah, again, I'm, I'm someone also with my coaching, you know, I really try to meet people where they're at and, and customize something for them. So I'm willing to work with people. Um, so email me. Well, good. Well, I'm sure that you and I will be in touch, but thank you for taking the time to be on here. And, and thank you for letting me put you on the spot because you didn't, you didn't know that I was going to make you tell near as much about your story as I did. So I appreciate mm -hmm. that. And the listeners will appreciate it. It makes me grow. I'm into it. I'm into yep. it. Thank you for giving me the chance. Yes. 
We will talk to you soon. All right. Thank you for listening and sharing this podcast with others. Looking for a community that understands? Join our Facebook support group, Strength Within. For more information on all the services Dr. Heidi provides, please visit www.coachingwithdrheidi.com. It's time for you to break free because it's not normal. It's toxic.